Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. I am here today with Andy Neary. He is a healthcare strategist. We've had a lot of really good conversation uh, in the past. Uh, ironically enough, uh, though probably not because uh, you seem to hear this often from me, uh, Andy and I met uh, online and have only met online <laughs> uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, but I think we'll talk about that a little bit because what a, you know, just what a wonderful tool that's been in building relationships. But what's really attracted me to Andy and inviting him on to the podcast and having a conversation today has really more for me than anything been around um, how I see him, uh, what, how I see what he says, not hearing what he says, because I think it's really easy to, to just say the same thing everybody else is saying because uh, that's the hot topic of the day, or that sounds really good and nice. But when you see spe people speak, and Andy's a speaker too, um, you really begin to see personality and authenticity cut through. And so I really appreciate that. And uh, so we're going to jump into all that. But for right now, Andy, welcome to the Excellence Mindset Podcast. Awesome, Ryan. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you for giving me, the, giving me this chance to uh, chat with you today. Thanks, man. Uh, so if uh, somebody runs into you on the street, I said healthcare strategist. I know you're also a speaker, but uh, what do you typically tell people that you do when you're running into people? And maybe we'll keep it somewhat in the context of uh, the employee benefit space, which is I know where you spend the majority of your time. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you typically tell people you do and what you're all about? Yeah, great question. I, I tell them I focus on mindset. I truly believe whether you're a business or an individual, an advisor in the industry, you are literally one mindset shift away from greatness. So whether that's a mindset shift in decision-making for an employer who needs to improve their health insurance situation, or it's an advisor just looking to play bigger, it's focusing on that mindset shift that, that most people need to make. Oh, I love that. Man, I should have coined that for myself. <laughs> That's good. Take it anytime, man. <laughs> so, so give me a little bit of an idea. So how did you get into the benefit space? I mean, you've been consulting for quite a while. Um, obviously, there has just been crazy shifts in the industry as a whole, but like where and why did you step into this industry specifically? Yeah, great question. So a quick history. I started uh, after I was released uh, from pro baseball, I got into financial planning. I would think I was 22 years old. And right away I realized, I just don't like sitting at somebody's kitchen table at 6 p.m. at night. <laughs> Here I am 22 telling a, a 58, 60 year old person how to invest their money with a 22 year old. <laughs> and so I had a friend tell me I should try out this insurance gig uh, with a company called Federated Insurance. And so I went to work there, but there I sold all lines of coverage, property casualty, health insurance, life insurance, disability. And quite frankly, Ryan, I learned pretty quickly, I'm not good at life insurance. I'm not good at that kind of sale. Um, but what I was really drawn to was the health insurance. So when I would look at my performance with Federated Insurance, every year my health insurance numbers were off the charts. Huh. And I figured, I started to think about why is that? Well, what I realized was in health insurance, I think more than any of the other lines I was selling, education is so paramount. Hmm. And this would have been, man, 14, 15 years ago. 
And so that's why I gravitated towards health insurance was really understanding that when you can take what is a very complex topic and it's getting more complex by the day, right? And communicate it in a way that any employee can understand, you're going to make a huge difference and, and be successful in this business. And yeah. that's really where, where I landed. And so that was how long ago you said? I made that shift to purely health insurance benefits, I would say 12, 13 years ago. Oof. Man, so that, that predated the Affordable Care Act. Yes. That predated a lot of compliance issue. And so as, as you have watched that shift happen, um, what is it that has continued to, um, to drive you to, to stay invested into the industry? Because, um, no, 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 you know, I'm going I'm to stay there. I want to hear that first. So what is it that, that has really driven you to stay invested into this industry specifically? Is it the same thing? It's the number one problem we have in this country. Healthcare is the biggest issue in this country right now. It's the biggest issue, I think, hitting any employer. Um, from a financial perspective mm -hmm. and it's something no one's been able to solve, right? Everybody's got a different answer, but yet year after year costs just keep doing this. Yeah. And it is an industry. People always use the phrase, Ryan, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. I, I think our industry, that, that phrase applies to our industry more than anything. Yeah. Because employers, advisors, vendors, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know what you don't know, you can't make effective decisions. And so I'm just, I feel I'm on a mission right now, again, whether it's a, an employer trying to solve their healthcare an advisor trying to grow their business, I'm helping people achieve that. Again, that shift to greatness is what this thing's all about. Hmm. All right, so, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I have seen face, um, uh, an advisor, a consultant, anybody that is generating revenue, as a matter of fact, in this industry is the ridiculous amount of revenue that <clears throat> is able to be generated, right? And so um, it's, it, it's common knowledge for almost everybody in this country at this point that insurance companies are just crushing it in terms of revenue and profitability. Pharma, crushing it in revenue and profitability. Most of the provider system, crushing it in terms of revenue and profitability. But what a lot of people aren't talking about um, is that the consultants, the agencies yep. are crushing it in terms of, of, of financial, uh, of revenue, of profitability. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I talk about this all the time. Every time that a benefits consultant delivers an increase in renewal, not every time now, the good majority of time that somebody delivers a delivers bad news to an employer, your cost just went up, that the consultant makes more money, right? Like it is absurd to me to think that like you by and large have performed bad. And obviously it's not the responsibility necessary of the consultant, but you perform bad, you get rewarded. And so... Uh, that to me demonstrates to some degree, and again, like I'm, I'm throwing a lot of wholesale statements out, but like that to me shows a lot of lack of integrity in our industry as a whole in, in reaping the reward of the demise of employer-sponsored healthcare. And so 
maybe a question to you, and I'm interested to hear you hear your answer here is so like, how do you so I, I know you as as good as I do, you seem to have a lot of integrity, uh, you are very real and genuine in the in your desire to want to help people. But how do you maintain integrity, when all you really need to do, honestly, is work really hard, be good, be a good salesperson, and you can easily make a seven figure salary in this industry. So how, how do you Absolutely. maintain integrity? So, and, and I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> seven figure salary. Okay. But, I mean, let's just say but, like 250, 300. I mean, right. Like that, that, that's a lot of money to a lot of people. Oh, heck yeah. And, and that's so and, easy. You know, here's the thing. I, I saw somebody give a presentation a month, a uh, month back on the matrix of consciousness. Have you seen this hmm, where everybody so. starts wherever you are in your life and business, you start in the unconscious incompetence. Oh yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And the goal is to get whoever, you know, get yourself to unconscious competence where you're just doing the right things and you don't even think about it, right? It's like riding a bike. Mm-hmm. Well, go back years ago with, with broker compensation. We were all, most of us, I would say, were unconsciously incompetent. We didn't know any better. That's how we get paid, right? We got, mm-hmm. you get paid a percentage of premium and you deliver the renewal and didn't think about it. No, yeah, you got a 15% pay raise when your client got a 15% increase. Yeah. Ryan, I can remember sitting with carriers 10, 12 years ago and focusing an entire carrier meeting on their incentive trip. And if you sell so much of this, yep. you get to go on the cruise. And I look back and I go, man, was I terrible? Because now we're at a phase where at least we are consciously incompetent. Yeah. You know the payment structure is wrong now. Yep. But a lot of brokers still choose to be in the old model, right? Yep. And so my point to that is how do you how do you maintain that integrity? Well, the good news is at least a lot of carriers have moved to a per employee per mem- uh, per month payment structure. Mm-hmm. So at least you're now paid based on the number of employees, not the size of the premium. However, let's be honest, with carriers, you're still tied to that carrier with some kind of bonus or some kind of override. So today, personally, you've got, if you want to maintain 100% payment integrity as a broker or a consultant, you have to be receiving some kind of consulting fee. Mm -hmm. Because my objective, my philosophy is at the end of the day, I want to be getting paid by one person, one entity only, and that's my client. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, gosh, I hear story after story. I mean, I had a, a client recently that uh, works for a firm and um, he was so pissed off because uh, he could not uh, offer a 20% savings to his uh, client by moving them from carrier A to carrier B because moving from carrier A uh, lost the firm their bonus program for the year, right? And so it was just like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And like that, that, that literally, now we all know that like carrier disruption is a problem and there's a lot of other mechanics that go into that and it's not always the best decision to make anyway. But like the, the fact that that was the answer that was delivered back was you're going to cost us our bonus for the year. And so, you know what, just let your client continue to pay more money. I mean, it was just like my head wants to come off because like that's the behavior of so many people. And I wish, I wish that that would be exposed on a more regular basis because I feel people like 
you that are out in the marketplace consulting employers would have such a greater opportunity because right now like you're doing all the right things you're saying all the right things you are the right guy for the job in so many in so many instances the problem is is you're just a broker to them right like you have to cut through that crap before you can even get to show them who you really are right well absolutely i mean i you know with the tools that are out there today on my edge things like that i can go on and see what a broker is making right and where I, where I do find that conversation where you can make that shift with the employers, if I see that a, their advisor is making $100,000, $120,000 on an account, I love asking them the question, if you hired somebody today at your organization and their salary was $120,000, what would be their expectations? And oh, they'd probably be in the C-suite. They'd probably be a very important decision maker. They, would, would, would they have an impact on your bottom line? Oh, probably. Well, are you aware you're paying your advisor $120,000 to let your costs go up seven, eight, 10% every year? Yeah. But at, at Ryan, you couldn't be more, I had a, there's a, a story I heard from a colleague, advisor colleague who to his credit left his old broker firm for this reason. He wanted to move a client from a big carrier into a captive because he thought he was doing the right thing for the client. Well, that was all well and dandy until his manager came to him and said, do you realize what you're going to do to our bonus with that carrier if you make that move? You will not be putting this client in the captive. So when I hear stories like that, it like you are doing right now, shaking your head, you are absolutely, stuff like this has to be exposed because here's the deal. I just gave a talk to a, a local chapter of brokers, the Ahu chapter, and my message to him was, guys, this is what's going on in the industry, and if you don't change, it's coming. Yeah. And you won't be around very long if you don't make those changes. Better be careful. You're going to get blackballed from that industry or from that association. <laughs> but the message is true, Ryan. It's coming. Yeah. No, and, okay. and there are advisors out there who are changing that conversation and they're coming for business. You got yep. to, you got to adapt. Yep. Okay. So, so here you are, you're doing the right thing in the industry. So, uh, let me take like a, a huge leap backwards because so uh, um, when I was leading a sales team, uh, the, the last organization that I worked for, uh, one of the prime places to farm for great talent uh, was ex-athletes because, um, I mean, we all know, right, that, that the, the discipline uh, that is required, the habits that are required to to excel even at the collegiate level which is where we were uh we were pulling uh, uh young kids out of uh, was just that that pedigree was so much better like you can teach anybody to sell you can't teach them to be good right like yep. you can't teach them you know i mean you you can instill discipline over time it's just that that's a, a much bigger hurdle to overcome so as you look back on your career uh, in baseball, what are some things that, that continually stick out to you that you learned way back then that you are able to continue to apply to keep you going and driving uh, to be successful today? That's, I, I'm gonna actually give you the good and the bad. And I, I agree with you because I think in sales in general, athletes are, the people look to hire former athletes, right? So for me, it was the mess, for me it was simple, it was, all the work I put in when no one was watching. So I go back to my days in college ball. I was a five, nine, five foot nine pitcher. I mean, I'm, I wasn't your typical pitcher. And the only reason, Ryan, I got a chance to play pro ball was because of all the work I put in outside the lines, all the work I put in when no one was watching. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's the, it goes through, you know, the same thing in business. You can't, what, one thing you can't teach a lot of people is discipline, teaching them what to do when no one is watching, right? Yeah. You could hire a former athlete who knows nothing about health insurance and train them to understand what health insurance is, but you can't train their habits of what are you doing in the morning? What are you doing outside of work to make yourself better? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the bad side. The bad to me was, is the, is the biggest habit that's helped me, Ryan, is the constant drive to get better hmm. in the, in working on all the fine mechanics, just like in pitching mechanics mm -hmm. that make me better at what I do. Yeah. The downside as an athlete in baseball, guess what I was, judged by every day hmm. yeah. stats yeah right yeah in pro ball specifically when everybody on the field is is looking to get promoted whether it's your teammates your coaches the umpires everybody's looking to get promoted so even your teammates in pro ball technically aren't your teammates because they're trying to get promoted over you right mm -hmm. every day you were judged by stats every day you were comparing yourself to other people to me, that's a habit I've been trying to break and it's been very difficult hmm. is when you're looking at the industry and you're seeing people do this and do that and do all this. One of my mental blocks I still battle today is the comparison because that was part of my career in baseball is you were sure. constantly being compared by, by scouts, by recruiters, whoever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's really good. I mean that I, I think that in one sense, I think that what, we just don't admit it if we don't admit it. And it's, we all struggle with that, you know, in, in, a, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I, I know for me, it's really, really hard uh, when I see people that, uh, this is going to sound terrible, but like when I see people that I know that I'm better than <laughs> that, that are successful and, you know, and so then I try and like reason myself into like, well, it's because they have been shady in doing it or it's because, right? Like I try all this crap. Mm -hmm. And when I finally come back down to reality, what it does for me is it turns into this ridiculous amount of fuel uh, to want to get better, right? Yeah. Like, and so I, I do appreciate like that, that you saying that I, I think obviously, and I'm sure you would agree, you know, it's just, it's, it's in how we turn it right. Like, yeah. I mean, we've really got to be, we've, we've got to be aware of it. And I think that's important. If you use it to fuel you, it's great. Yeah. If you use it to allow yourself to create jealousy and all that other stuff of what other people are doing, that's yeah. when it can become a bad habit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so then at the organizational level, so let's just pretend for a second that you're running a, a an organization of benefits consultants mm -hmm. and you're looking at them and how do you measure them as um, as simple as good or bad like where, where do you feel like the keys are to greatness in an industry like this that may not be directly related to stats man you're gonna put me on the spot aren't you no, um, I first and foremost, I would look at, are, are they team players, hmm. right? Are they, I, 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 my whole career was uh, playing team sports. I don't know hmm. about you, Ryan. So team, being a team member is, is probably the first and foremost. Uh, going back to what I said earlier, what are they doing outside the lines? What are they doing when no one's working? Are they driving themselves to be better every day? What's their routine? Hmm. You know, are they just getting out of bed? putting on their suit and showing up at the office or are they getting themselves prepared every single day to bring their best for everybody else? Hmm. Yeah. Because in my opinion, 
it comes down to three things, confidence, competence, and a course of action. Mm-hmm. And if I see advisors or benefit firms failing, it's typically in one of those three things. And, and, and we've all battled it, right? I've battled yeah. confidence issues and competence issues and not having a course of action. But if you can accomplish those three things as a team to give your team the confidence and, and, that, and, and the, uh, the competence, like you said, to teach them what they need to do, but coupling that with a course of action, I think to me, that's what's going to build the best team in benefits advising right now. I think what I see, you know, you need all three in my opinion, Ryan, you can't have one or two of the three because if you have the confidence, but not the competence or any plan, it, you're not going to get anywhere either. So you yeah. got to have all three. Okay, so let's pretend that, um, pretend meaning this happens a lot. Uh, let, let's pretend that you have an incompetent leader uh, on uh, running that team or driving that. And so where do people go? Like wh- what do people do to elevate in all three of those areas? Um, so I think, let's see here, confidence, competence, course of action. So yeah. I, I think probably... Um, if, if I'm thinking like confidence has to come first, uh, in some sense of like that foundation, um, but like where, where, where do you think people need to start? How, how do they go find those things? Like where, where do they go to grow in those areas when they yep. look to their apparent leader and they can't find it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I too would say that's a, a, a concern in the industry, right? You know, I, I don't see a ton of training. You know, I think our industry is still uh, some young guy, some young gal gets hired as an advisor and it's either there's, there's no training all there's, or there's a very big lack of training and yeah. then they're just expected to go, go be successful. So confidence comes from within, right? It, that, that's something that's hard to, to maybe teach us as, as, as much as the other two. The good news is with competence, there is so much out there in our industry today. I go back to 2015. 2014, 2015, what changed my career was starting to read Dave Chase's stuff. Mm. You know, Dave Chase at the time was writing his articles in Forbes and I'm like, wow, there's a different way to do this. Yeah. So the competence piece, I think there's enough out there today, whether it's conferences, you've got, you know, different groups that get together uh, regularly throughout the year. There's enough out there to gain the competence and then you got to have a course of action, right? Mm. How are you going to get in uh, how are you going to have a plan to grow your book of business in less time with less effort? Yeah. So when I look at a lot of independent benefit firm, Ryan firms, Ryan, here's what I hear a lot of. They want to play bigger. They want to go after bigger clients. They want bigger books of business. They want bigger opportunities, but here's where they all struggle. How do I open those doors? Mm-hmm. What do I say when the doors open? And holy crap, if we write one, how do I service it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to those three things. The confidence to go after big business, the competence to know what to say when the door is open, yeah. and the course of action to make sure when you land those suckers, you've got a plan of action. Yep, absolutely. It, you know, it, so a, as you say that, you know, I, I immediately start to think that um, – and this goes back to your um, uh, uh, our earlier discussion on teamwork. And I think there are so many phenomenal partners to have. Uh, we had this conversation offline uh, talking about how some people have this mindset that other broker advisors are the enemy and you have to stay away from them all. Yeah. And what's been just like 
uh, so uh, wonderful for me to see is so folks like you, um, I, I built great relationships with Nelson Griswold, David Contorno, um, uh, and, and, and so many others like them. And what I've seen is, is so many people have a willingness to want to work together, even, even like whether that is more at the high level advisory level, uh, specifically on the benefits side or, uh, partners, uh, that are touching that guys like Eric Silverman that are doing the same thing, right? Like there's, there's so many people that, that are willing to step in and help. And so I feel like, um, if, if people are just willing to change their mindset on the front end of like, I can do this and I, I can open the door by leveraging these relationships, I'll just go ask for help. Like uh, there's somebody out there that's willing to help me build this super complex network or introduce, you know, some, uh, alternative funding strategy that I don't even have any idea what it means or whatever, right? There's so much of that out there. I wish more people would do that. Like, that's why I appreciate some of these networks of advisors that we're seeing like Rosetta. I mean, they're just doing such a great job of working together to help each other be successful. They're not necessarily just in it for themselves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the number one thing our industry has to change right now, Ryan, is its scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. That everybody's a competitor. I'm not going to share because you're going to take my stuff and use it against me. There is enough business to go around. There is enough premium. It, it goes up 10% every year. There's enough <laughs> premium to go around. Right. But here's, where I, here's, here's what makes me laugh about this. Personally, and I know people are going to disagree with me when I say this, if you're in this industry right now, you have an obligation to make it better, not yeah. just make you better. Yep. And I see too many people out there pontificating about, we need to make the industry better, industry better. And all of a sudden they're like, but I'm not going to share with you. Right. You're just talking out of two sides of your mouth. Yeah. Your obligation needs to be making this industry better. So Ryan, if you're a competitor of mine, and you, I see you go write a piece of business and you're doing the right thing for that client, I'm going to cheer you on yep. because yep. you're making the industry better. And that's where we have to get is everybody's got to understand it's about making this entire industry better. Yeah. Yep. Just their wallets. Yeah. No, well, yeah. And that, and again, I mean, that really goes back to like that, that big team effort. Like, what are you in this for? Right. Are you in this to just earn an income, which there's nothing wrong with that. I am a capitalist at heart. Uh, in the good definition of that term, I feel like you work hard, you should earn money and there, the sky's the limit on how much money you, you know, you can earn if you work for it. So I have no problem with people wanting to get into an industry that's lucrative because they want to reap the reward. Um, but I feel like if you're here and that's your only intention, you're just in the wrong place. It is. It's so much about, you know, leading by example and, and, and demonstrating this desire to do something together, um, which we all know, like every great movement that's ever happened in this world ever, regardless of industry or um, agenda, whatever, like when people work together, amazing things happen. Yeah, well, and I think the guys, you guys and gals, you just explained just named in the, in the, in a few minutes ago, the common trait is, is pretty clear. Yeah. They're not afraid to share. Yep. They're not afraid to connect you with people because they know the more they do for the industry, the more will come back to them. 
You know, the universe is always listening. And so the vibe you get out is the vibe you're going to get back. And, you know, the people who share are the ones who are probably growing faster than anybody else. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So as, as you like, as you think about some of the things that you're really hoping to accomplish, I don't know, over the next 12 to 18 months, what, what are some things that stick out to you? Uh, what do you, what are you really striving to see change or happen for you individually or, uh, in, in kind of the market that you're in? Is there anything that you're really working towards, um, on a grander or more future scale? Yeah. You know, I, I try to be a big picture thinker, Ryan, and I always think about what can I do to make the biggest impact on the industry as a whole. And to me, there's, it's twofold. You know, I look at, I see one opportunity with employers, right? Employers still need as much help, if not more help than they've ever needed. This, this thing called health insurance is now a financial discussion because it's impacting every bottom line. And we need more employers to buy in to the philosophy. There's a better way to do it. Hmm. And uh, if I can, whatever I can do to make that happen, I'm here to do to make that happen. But on the same point, at the same time, there are, I see so many, so many good independent benefit firms right now that have an opportunity, a bigger opportunity than they've ever had before. And they just don't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. They just, you know, again, they're either stuck in doing things the way they've always done them. They see the, the, the destination can be so much better. They just don't have a plan to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I can do anything to help those firms succeed, again, mm-hmm. it comes down to one thing, right, Ryan? Yeah. Mindset. Yeah. And it's, yep. it's, so that's, the, that's to me the twofold. How can we help employers? How can we make a dent in, these, in this thing called health insurance from a, from a cost perspective? But then how can we help all these great independent firms that, that, could be playing so much bigger than they are today. Get there. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that, that, and finished that way with that second part, because, you know, for the longest time, and and I haven't been in this industry, but five years, but uh, I mean, this is common in business anyway. It's just like the, you know, the bigger guys are gobbling up more of the market. They're gobbling up more of the little guys because the little guys see like, "I, I can't do this anymore. So I'm just going to sell my book of business and, you know, and move on or whatever. And I'm rooting for the little guy more than ever because I actually feel like, and and this is not to continue to toot his horn because he doesn't need it anymore, but this is like David Contorno. I mean, it's been phenomenal to see as an independent person what he's been able to accomplish in such a short period of time since starting his business. And, And that to me demonstrates that one person, just a, a licensed independent broker on their own could make a significant impact in their marketplace and take as much business as they could possibly handle away from anybody else in the market if they were willing to just put their best foot forward and do the right thing. And like, I I mean, I'm cheering for them. They don't need the resources. They don't need the backing. That stuff can all be built as time comes, but there is just such a significant opportunity. And so I like right now for me as a coach, and, you know, in, in the efforts I'm trying to make, like I work for a couple of large firms that, that I enjoy working with and I really like, but I'm looking for more of those smaller entities, those one man, two man, maybe 15, 20 employee companies. I want to affect them because I feel like, dude, I could double your revenue in 12 months by just allowing me to help you in a couple of key areas. And for them, that's, the, that's a life changing difference, right? Like it's yep. just significant. 
Yeah, so a couple of, a couple of examples. I mean, you hit it on the head, and, and I think what you just said is very important. I have friends that work for large houses. They're not bad people. Right. But to your point, there are too many independent, smaller independent benefit firms that are good, that are getting out of the business because they don't know what to do. And I go back to the, the matrix of consciousness, right? A lot of those firms are stuck in that unconsciously incompetent. And that's not a cut on them. That's, they just don't know what's out there today. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And to your point, Ryan, when I coach people, whether it's an advisor, I mean, I, 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 just, I just coached an advisor who put an event on that literally, if he, if he writes two or three pieces of business from that event, and he had an event, one, he's, he's literally a one-man shop. His event brought in employ enough employers that represented about 5,000 employee lives. If he writes two or three out of those event, out of that event, he will double his business. Do you know what that means to a small independent firm? Yeah. That's what drives me. Yeah. And I think it's what drives you too. Yeah. Well, and you think about it, like, again, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That guy or gal, uh, because uh, as we're thinking about this, our, I remember having a conversation not too long ago with Rachel Milner that did, uh, you know, very similar thing, you know, like the same idea. And it's like, those people have such a unique opportunity that, again, this is not a knock on the big guy, but the big guys, they have a lot of ties, right? There's a, there's a lot of things. They have to be very careful. They are smart business people. They've got to do. Whereas when you're independent, Dude, you just let it fly, right? <laughs> so it's like you yep. want to do, you know, here, you know, the best path is X, Y, and Z, and it's going to require this, this, and this. Like they don't care; they don't, they don't have any ties to anybody. So I love the autonomy that they bring to the industry in being able to just do what they think is right versus what they're being dictated to do. Here's what I'll say: This to me is the most important thing, Ryan. There's a risk in a lot of this because there's a lot of change going on right now, right? Mm -hmm. There's a different conversation you can have. There's different strategies out there today that we've never had before. As a small independent firm, it's so easy to go out and say, yeah, yeah, I want to say that. Just, just say that to a CFO or just say that to a, a COO or just implement this strategy. If you don't know how to apply it, it can be dangerous. Yes, yes. And so that's why I go back to confidence, competence, course of action. If you got the confidence, you can get the competence to know what kind of conversation you have, but you've got to have that course of action. You've got to have the applicability of saying, not only do I know what to say, <laughs> I know how to apply it to help my clients. Win. Yeah. And maybe there's a fourth C in there at this point, though, because then I think that like, I would imagine if they're working with you as a coach, right, fourth C, if they're working with a coach that's themselves confident, competent, and has their own course of action on how to handle things like that, then I think that when they get into what would be quote unquote some trouble in the fact that they open this can of worms that they're not completely sure how to solve, they go back to their coach and they talk to their coach about how to work through that situation. And together they can be, they can be helped. Because again, Absolutely. like this is about bringing people together and all these independent agents. Like one thing that I've really wanted to do was create some small group um, regionalized masterminds where these guys are getting together on a regular basis. But back to even earlier when we were talking about, you got to again, then get out of their head, this idea that everybody's the enemy, but it's like, if you can get people together, they can work together. And so again, having a coach would be so helpful if the coach is knowledgeable in the industry and able to help walk them through that yep. because then they've got that extra firepower and support to think through how to apply. 
Well, and that's the thing, Ryan, that's the biggest thing missing in our industry right now is there's a lot of great groups out there that are talking about strategies and, and theory and, and, and all these in conversations, mm -hmm. no one's teaching applicability. No yeah. one's teaching. Okay. Now let's go apply it. Yeah. Yep. And so it's your point, whether it's masterminds, coaching, you name it, these people have to be taught how to apply what they're being told. Yep. yep. And that's, I think that's where the game's going to change. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And so we need more people out there like you, thought leaders who are saying, you know what, I'm going to be that coach who's going to take somebody who doesn't, may not know what they know right, or may not know what they not, don't know right now, and I'm going to coach them to be competent, confident, and have that course of action so they can go out and crush business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe the call to action there, I mean, I appreciate you saying that, and, and I'm willing to take on anybody that wants to, <laughs> wants to come work and feel like they're a good fit. But I feel like uh, maybe a, a call to action for anybody that's listening here as I think about this is, be humble enough to ask, right? Like lay, lay down the pride, you know, we get it. You're smart. You know what you're doing. You've been successful. You asking for help is not negating any of those things. It's just, it's like, just open yourself up. You will be blown away at the answers you'll get if you just ask for help. That's the number one thing that holds anybody back from success. The failure to ask for help. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, I think that's a good spot to end, buddy, because I mean, I think that like that does, it really wraps up so much of um, what, what we've been talking about, but really what I hear you've been saying a lot, like, you know, obviously I follow you on LinkedIn and I've been watching your videos, which I love everything that you've been sharing and the engagement interaction you've been getting, which means you've been driving conversation, which these are things that people want to talk about. And so um, I just, I so appreciate all that you've done uh, in the, for the industry in general, but definitely as a witness to it for the time that we've gotten to know each other. And uh, I feel like, you know, if you're not connected to Andy right now, whether or not you are in the benefit space, I, I feel like he is a guy that you need to be following. If you're in business development, sales, marketing, um, there's just so much that you can learn. So I'll make sure to put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But is there anywhere else that you encourage people to reach out and connect to you other than that? You know, uh, I would say the, the other area is uh, Instagram. Okay. At Andy Neary 333. Don't ask why it's 333, but Andy Neary 333 <laughs> is my Instagram handle. Uh, there, was um, there was 332 of you before you signed <laughs> up for Instagram. I had, I had somebody tell me, give me advice that you want like a couple numbers after your name and then you keep it consistent, consistent with Facebook and Twitter. And all. Yeah. so once you, once you have it, you can't change it. Right. So, yeah. But I would say that's the other area they can go is, um, or, or go to my website, andyneary.com. Oh, that's another one. All right. So those three places, we'll definitely put them in the show notes. So, you, uh, so folks can connect to you. But other than that, man, thank you so much. I mean, I just, again, I appreciate you, all that you're doing. I think that, uh, that there is definitely a lot of work to be done, but man, you've just, you just blown it out so far. Well, and I want to thank you, Ryan, for what you're doing for the industry, because you are a true thought leader. And you're pushing the envelope in what this industry needs. So keep pushing, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. Again, as always, dive into the show notes. You'll be able to connect with Andy. Feel free to connect with me if you'd like as well. Um, asking for reviews. So if you uh, have listened to an episode one, two, or 10, an honest review on iTunes, five stars is always fantastic, but uh, honest is best. And so whatever that may be, I'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, do the best you can to get out there and crush it. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.